Praise the Lord. We had a food giveaway yesterday too, <laughs> in between the funeral and the wedding. Thank you for all of you who are able to be here to help. We're truly, truly grateful. We wouldn't be able to do it without you. It's written in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to His purpose. It doesn't say some things. It doesn't say many things. It doesn't say most things. It says all things work together for good. And you all who have been here more than once at least have heard me say this scripture. And sometimes I've turned to God and said, I don't see how this is going to work out for my good. But he doesn't say for your good. It works out for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And the good that happens from those things, sometimes we cannot see, but it is most definitely for good. And we know, as I mentioned earlier, that today is that Sunday when much of the Christian church is celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit, what's called Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell down upon the congregation and they were ignited with fire from heaven. When we look at the account of Joseph's life, Joseph being one of the sons of the man that we know as Jacob. Joseph was one of Abraham's 12 great-grandsons, and we will read where the Potiphar, or excuse me, the, uh, the, the Lord help me, the king of Egypt commented about how the Holy Spirit was upon him. Abram was chosen by Almighty God to be the father of his people. Abram and Sarah were too old to have children. We talked about that a few messages ago. But God made it possible, and Sarah brought forth a son, and she named him Isaac. Isaac had two sons named Esau and Jacob. And Esau gave up his birthright for some food, and as a result, Isaac, Isaac, blessed Jacob. Jacob, who was renamed Israel, had 12 sons. And these sons are the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. According to Genesis chapter 35 and verse 23, Jacob had six sons with his first wife, Leah. First wife. Yeah, his first wife. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. It's six sons with her. We also learn in Genesis chapter 35 and verse 24 that Jacob had two sons with his second wife, Rachel. Rachel was the one that he really loved, and she was the one that he wanted in the first place. But their dad, these two were sisters, Leah and Rachel, their dad tricked him, and he ended up with Leah first. <clears throat> Jacob also had two sons with each of his wives' female servants. 
Genesis 35, 25 tells us the son of Bilhah, Rachel's maidservant, were Dan and Naphtali. And in Genesis 35, 26, we learn that the sons of Zilpah, that's Leah's maidservant, were Gad and Asher. And in this message, we're going to focus on Joseph. Joseph. So I want us to open our Bibles to Genesis, the 50th chapter of Genesis. It's the very end of Genesis. So if you hit Exodus, just turn it back a few pages, and you'll find it there. And that is on page 81. And we're beginning at verse 50, so it would be page 82. Excuse me, not 50, 15, excuse me. And we're going to read through verse 21. Genesis chapter 50, beginning at verse 15. That's page 82. And the Bible's there in your seats. We also will have it up here on the screen. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. Now, that evil started long ago, before the dad was even ill. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. God meant it for good. And he comforted them. Excuse me. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. It's the word of the Lord. God... Take a hold of me and use me today to bring forth your message of truth from your word. I pray, Lord, that you would open our ears to hear and our eyes to see, that each of us would receive the truth that's about to be presented. And pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, many or most of us have learned about the battles that Joseph endured. You may have learned it in Sunday school or in vacation Bible school. Is a favorite in those categories of teaching in the church. We may have heard sermons on it. We do many sermons on the life of Joseph. But the most important, the one that compels us to act, is the one that we're about to hear today. Because whatever they mean, whoever they are, whatever they mean for evil, God means for good. We need to understand that. It's really important that we get this, folks, because the whole world is against Christ and His followers. 
Now, Joseph was a handsome young lad of 17 years whenever the Lord started to use him. And this is also when everything went bad. Israel, who was Jacob, he loved Joseph more than the others because Joseph came when Israel was an old man. Joe's brothers hated him, and that started their battle against him because that hatred in their hearts. When their dad made a multicolored coat for Joe that distinguished him from everyone else, his brothers hated him all the more. And then Joseph had a dream in which his family bowed to him, and this really upset them. And it drove them deeper into their hatred against Joseph. And eventually, the brothers got a chance. They got a chance to enact that vengeance that they had in their heart against Joseph. But the oldest brother, his name was Reuben, he tried to protect Joseph. He tried to protect him. Even though they conspired to kill him, Reuben stopped that plot. He tried to put him into, excuse me, they put him into a dry well. They put him into a dry well. No water in the well. They threw him into the well, and they're going to leave him there, okay? And, and that was because Reuben said that that's what they should do. They were just going to kill him. And Reuben said, no, 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 just put him in the well. He'll die. But Reuben had planned to take him out of the well and take him back to their dad. But when Reuben wasn't present, one of the brothers named Judah, he convinced them to sell Joseph into slavery. And this thwarted Reuben's plan to return Joseph to their dad. The brothers covered his multicolored coat with blood. Now, we're going through many chapters of Genesis, and I'm condensing it. So there's details that I'm not going to give you. If you read it for yourself, you can read those details. And you'll find that this is a very, very interesting story. It's the account of a man's life that God used from the time he was a teenager until the time he was an old man. Now, those brothers, they took that coat to their dad, and they told him Joe was devoured by beasts. He fabricated a lie. Of course, dad was very upset. He loved Joseph very much. And if that was the end of the story, it wouldn't serve as a testimony for this sermon. But it's not the end. Those brothers sold him to slave traders, and the slave traders sold him to an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. His name was Potiphar. And then we read in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 2 that God was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. He's a slave, but God was with him, and he was successful. Potiphar saw God's favor, and he made Joseph the head of his household. Yeah, but then Potiphar's wife started to lust after Joseph. Genesis 39 and 7 tells us that. She repeatedly tried to get Joseph to lie with her, but he refused. She became desperate. She wanted this boy, and she grabbed him. Lie with me! He ran out of his coat took off. No, I can't do that. And then she used his coat to accuse him of trying to rape her. Falsely accused again. 
falsely accused. You think of it, if you've ever been falsely accused, you know what that feels like of anything. You know what that feels like. Potiphar had him arrested, threw him in jail for something he didn't do. God took care of him there also. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. I wrote a verse for that song. If they arrest you and throw you in jail, God will take care of you. Over your enemies He'll prevail. God will take care of you. Imagine that. Being thrown in jail for something you didn't do. I knew a man once. He was a preacher. That happened to him. Falsely accused, thrown in jail. Overall, the time he spent in there was about 18 months for something he didn't do. It's written in Genesis chapter 39. But the Lord was with Joseph in jail and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison, the warden. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners, he was put in charge, who were in the prison, whether whatever they did there, it was his doing. In other words, Joseph said, you do this, you do that, whatever needs to be done, Joseph was in charge. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper in jail. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not looking to that. I'm not trying to go there, all right? That's not where I'd like to be. But Joseph, God was with him, and he used him in jail. In chapter 40, as we move on through the the book of Genesis, we learned that the Pharaoh's butler and his baker offended the king, so he threw them in jail. And in verse 4, we learned the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. In other words, he put Joseph in charge of these guys, and he served them, and they were in custody for a while. And the butler and baker both had dreams that made them upset. It upset them greatly. He told Joseph about their dreams, and Joseph asked him to tell him the details. The butler started, and Joseph interpreted the dream. He said, now within three days, this is in Genesis 40 and verse 13 and 14, Pharaoh will lift up your head and then restore you to place, to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you. Please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh to get me out of this prison house. Joseph wanted a pardon. And he explained his innocence. I, I didn't do what they said. Of course, most people in jail, they say that. It wasn't me. And then the baker told his dream to Joseph, and Joseph interpreted it. That wasn't such a good dream. Joseph interpreted it. It was found in Genesis 40 and verse 19. Within three days, Joseph said, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you. 
and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat your flesh from you. That's not the kind of dream you want to have. And everything came to pass exactly as Joseph had explained it, as he interpreted it. In verse 23 of chapter 40, we learn that the chief butler did not remember Joseph, Joseph but he forgot him. <laughs> he helped him get out of jail. He told him what was going to happen, and the guy forgot about him. Now, you'd think he'd be so elated, especially when he saw the other guy. Genesis 41 begins by telling us two years later, the Pharaoh had a dream. And he had a second dream. So he called all the magicians and the wise guys of Egypt, but nobody could interpret the dreams. Nobody figured it out. And verse 9 tells us when the, that's when the chief butler remembered Joseph, when the Pharaoh had his dream. Now, he helped, okay, think about it. He's two more years in jail waiting to get a reprieve. He's in jail for something he didn't do. He's got, an, he, he's got a guy that could get the ear of the Pharaoh, and the guy forgets about him. But then two years later, he remembers. And so, in verse 14, we learn the Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. And they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and he came to Pharaoh. The dungeon, notice the word there. <laughs> this wasn't a prison like our modern prisons, Okay. Joseph took no interpretation, excuse me, he took no credit for being able to interpret the dream. In Genesis 41, 16, it's written, it's not me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Do you see his humility there? He didn't puff up his chest. Yeah, I got this, I got this. No, it's not me. It's God. God is going to do this. And the interpretation was seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Joseph instructed Pharaoh to collect and store food during those seven years of plenty and then to distribute it during the seven years of famine. The Pharaoh said to his servants, this is verse 38 in chapter 41, Pharaoh, excuse me, Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? You see, we know that at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell down upon the disciples, the believers at that time who were gathered together. But we also know that's not the only time when God poured out His Spirit. In fact, there are multiple times where we see in God's Word that He poured out His Spirit on people, whether individually or groups of people. God had poured His Spirit upon Joseph, even though he was in prison. And he was in prison falsely. And what happened? The Pharaoh made him ruler over everything in Egypt, and Joseph only answered to the Pharaoh. That'd be like, can you imagine? Let's say that in this land, the president is the Pharaoh. And can you imagine you are arrested and put in jail falsely for something you didn't do, and then by God's favor, you get the ear of the president. And the president releases you from prison, and he brings you into his cabinet, and then he puts not only some things, but everything under your control. Think about that. Joseph was a man like any other man. 
He wasn't anybody special except that God put His Spirit on him or in him, and Joseph did what God wanted him to do, no matter what the circumstances were, no matter where he found himself, no matter what the troubles were that he was in. He served God. The Pharaoh made him ruler over everything in Egypt. He gathered and stored grain in every city during seven years of plenty. And then, the Scripture tells us when famine hit, Genesis 41, 57 is where it's written, so all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain because the famine was severe in all lands. Can you imagine that? That's what's written. When we look in Genesis chapter 42, we learn that Joseph's dad heard about food in Egypt. So he sent ten of Joseph's brothers, you know, the guys that sold him into slavery, the ones that started this whole mess. He sent them to get food. But Jacob, Israel, he refused to let Ben go along for fear of losing him like he lost Joseph, so because he didn't know Joseph was still alive. When they arrived in Egypt, the ten older brothers, <laughs> they bowed before him. And Joseph remembered the dream because that's what the dream was, that they would bow before him. And that's what upset them. That's what set off their anger. That's what started the whole battle with Joseph. And there they were, bowing down before him. He remembered that. And this was about 13 years later. He's 30 years old. And Joseph recognized them, but they did not recognize him. So he decided to play a trick on them. He's going to show them a little bit, okay? He's going to straighten them out. He sent them to go get the youngest brother, but he kept Simeon, the other brother. And uh, when they went out, they didn't know that he understood them speaking in their language because he used an interpreter to speak to them. So they had no clue that he knew what they were talking about. Okay, they're talking amongst themselves and they're saying, oh, Dad's not going to let that happen. There is no way we can get Ben Diner. What are we going to do? He's taking Simeon, he's, um, as much as put him under arrest, okay, he's the head guy in Egypt. He takes Simeon, his brother, he holds on to him and sends them packing to go get uh, the, the little brother, younger brother, I should say. So before he sent them to get the uh, brother, gave them grain, filled their sacks with grain, and he put their money back into their bags. So when they got back, Dad was really distressed. This is not a good thing. You should not have the money and the grain. And Dad thinks, okay, we're in trouble now. And Jacob there, he was unwilling to send Ben because he figured whenever they got back, He's going to grab Ben, and he'll never see him again. And as the account continues, and it's important that we understand this, okay, because our lives can parallel. Whether our circumstances are the same or not is irrelevant. Those things that happen in our lives, we need to recognize that God is still in those things. He's allowing them, even horrible things. God's allowing them to bring us to that place where He can use us mightily. So, when the brothers returned with Ben for more grain, Joseph played another trick on them. I'm not going to go into all the details because there are a lot of them. 
But he then confronted his brothers, and they bowed before him and begged him not to keep Benjamin. Please don't keep Benjamin. This will kill our dad. You can't. We knew this was going to happen. Don't. Don't. Please don't. And eventually Joseph revealed his identity to them. And they were beside themselves with grief and fear. And then the Scripture tells us that Joseph wept. And there's many aspects of Joseph's life that we see in his accounts of all the things that he went through, we can see Christ. That's not what this message is about. I'm only going to touch on those things just briefly. But this is where we see an image of Christ in Joseph. And this is where we can see the image of Christ in all of us. Joseph worked as a shepherd for a time. He was hated by his kinfolk. He was sold into slavery. He was favored by God for his righteousness. And he was falsely accused and arrested. This all happened to Christ, except for the slavery part, except that he was arrested. He was never sold into slavery. Each step of the way, Joseph accepted where he was and the circumstances. And he made the best of everything. And as a result, God showered him with favor. God made it all work out. But it was a long time. It didn't happen overnight. And we, in our society, it's unfortunate, but it's a reality, we've gotten to where we want everything right now. It's got to be done right now. Everything's instant, right? I mean, think about it. What did you have for breakfast today? Something or nothing. But whatever you had, you could have had something instant. Put some hot water with it, right? Instant oatmeal. Put some hot water with it, instant coffee. There's all kinds of things that we do in our life that are just instant. Everything's got to happen right now. We don't like to wait for anything. Go online. Order it there. It'll be here in three days, according to eBay, right? Amazon, they've got that free shipping thing where they send things right away. We don't have to wait anymore. But God says sometimes we have to wait. He makes us wait. And it can be very frustrating for us because we don't like to wait. We're used to having everything right away. Hit a button. The music comes on, right? Hit a button. The TV comes on, right? We're not waiting for anything. Growing up, we had a television set, and it was sitting on top of another television set, big box thing. And you had to walk over, and you had to actually push a button, and things would light up, and it would take a while. You'd see the screen would start flickering a little bit. It would take a while, then the screen would kind of get bright, and then it would kind of focus in on whatever it was that it was tuned to. We had to wait. So I think maybe there's a disservice being done to the people in this land and maybe all over the world because everything works so rapidly. But Joseph had to wait. Joseph had to wait. God used Joseph in many ways. In every step of the way, Joseph accepted where he was. He made the best of it. 
And Almighty God showed favor to, to Joseph, and he remained faithful to God. Does that mean that we shouldn't remain faithful to God if He doesn't show favor to us? Anybody? Oh, it doesn't mean we're supposed to bail out on God. If we feel like, well, you know, God, you show Joseph favor, but you're not showing me favor. No, we're not to bail out. We're to hang in there. God used him to save a lot of people. He was serving in God's battle. And God's timeline is so much different than our own. We can't even recognize God's timeline. If one day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day, we pray that God doesn't stretch things out for us. We'd like to see Him return, bring Christ to the Redeemer back to the earth. But we see that Joseph refused to take credit for the power of God, and we need to learn this. We need to learn this in our lives, folks. We must not take credit for what God does. We may not take credit and expect God's favor. Humility before God and our fellow humans has largely been lost in the world today. Instead, we've been taught to esteem ourselves more highly than others. They call it self-esteem. It's sad. It's sad because this is self-worship and it's idolatry, and we're teaching it to our children. And I know there's people that would really not like me for saying that, but it's the truth, folks. It's the truth. When you look up the word idolatry, you find in it self-worship. In the 45th chapter of Genesis, as we move on, we see that after revealing himself to his brothers, we hear they were concerned because of their sin against him. And what was his response? Did he show his fury? Did he come out and rage at them? Is he angry? Not at all. Not even a little bit. In fact, it's written in Genesis 45 and verse 5, But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. He gave God credit for their misdeed. God sent me here. And then as we read on in verse 8 there, it's written, So now it was not you who sent me here. And that's the second time he says it. That's the testimony of two witnesses. God sent me before you to preserve life. Not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, the Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. We need to learn this idea. Because no matter where God has you, He can continue to use you as you continue to surrender and yield to Him. We can see the battle is the Lord's in Joseph's life, but not just in Joseph's life, in all of our lives. Because Joseph was Spirit-filled. And we too can be filled with the Spirit of God. So we remember this day of Pentecost. We need to recall that it's God who filled Joseph with His Spirit, and it's God who will fill us with His Spirit. And His Spirit empowers us to endure all of those things that this life brings, that we may be able to continue to serve God all the days of our lives till Christ returns. 
God uses whomever He will, regardless of their age. I once had a woman, she used to play our organ here when we had an organ. And she heard me testify of how God was using me when I was a teenager, 15 to 17 years old. And she said, God doesn't use children. And I said, oh my, she hadn't read her Bible. All through the Bible we see where God's using children. We can't discourage children from being used by God. He used Joseph. Joseph was 17 years old. That's still a child. Joseph served God and God's people. And in the end, God used him to bring famine relief. Sometimes it takes years for God's work to be completed, and we see that in the life of Joseph. He led God's people into Egypt. Joseph led God's people into Egypt. <clears throat> but for what? To be well-fed and to multiply. They became populous, and God greatly blessed them. And then God raised up Moses whenever the tide turned against God's people. He raised up Moses to lead them out of Egypt after those conditions had changed. He led Joseph lead them in, and he used Moses to lead them out. It was all his work. And we need to remember these things that I'm about to read to you, okay? Because it is the Lord's battle. We have to remember no matter what the circumstances we find ourselves in, we can trust that Almighty God is with us if, in fact, we are His. We're not living blatantly immoral lives, going against God. We're trying the best that we know how, with His help, to do what He wants us to do. We're empowered by His Spirit, if, in fact, we're filled with His Spirit. Sometimes God allows unpleasant things to happen to us. We have to remember that. And that's to bring us into His will for our lives. We see that in Joseph's life. And second, I want you to remember, Joseph reveals faithful, lifelong service to Almighty God brought salvation to people. And that was both physical and ultimately Spiritual. And it didn't matter what the state of affairs were. God worked through all of those circumstances. And third, I want you to remember that God can and will and does use young people in His battle. When you see somebody that comes on fire for the Lord, encourage them, uplift them, strengthen them. Don't try to choke the spiritual life out of them. And remember... Nobody's excused because of young age or old age. God will place people where He wants them for His purposes. The fourth thing, and this is the final point, is we're given clear illustrations of humility in service to God. Let's never be puffed with pride. Let us never be puffed with pride. Instead, let us always give the glory to Almighty God. God deserves the glory. He empowers us with His Spirit. Serve humbly, even if it means under adverse conditions. I can tell you, folks, Chris and I have been here for 15 years, and we've met with some adverse circumstances. The conditions were not always welcoming to Christ and His Word. God has kept us. 
This August will be 15 years that we've served here. 15 years in this building. Different congregations throughout that time. Different people that I've looked out on and, and seen and prayed for and served. 15 years. We were told that we wouldn't stay more than two to five years and, and don't get too comfortable. We were told that we'd be forced to leave. But you see, whatever anybody meant for anything other than good, God meant it for good. And He's used it all these years. And I look at the life of Joseph and I say, I've never had it that bad. I never got sold into slavery. I never was locked in jail. I never found myself under those circumstances, but I continue to serve the Lord because it is His battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And we have to remember that. It's not the people that we're in, 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 in involved with in our lives that are maybe coming against us in some cases. It's those devils that are using them. And God allows it. I want you to follow Joseph's example by remembering what he told his brothers. In Genesis 50 and verse 20, it's written, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. That's a powerful statement. And he said, in order to bring it about as it is today, to save many people alive, we have to also remember the words of Jesus that are recorded in the third chapter of John. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world. He came so we would have life. We have to remember this. And if anyone is ever tempted to condemn someone else for sin. Remember that Christ does not condemn. He does not condemn us. He does call us to repentance, but He does not condemn us. Remember that it's written, He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And we're damned by the sin that we have not confessed. We're damned by the sin that we have not repented of. We bring that on. He doesn't. He brought life. brought it more abundantly. And you know, that's what the Lord's battle is all about, folks. The salvation of souls. Bringing people out of darkness and into the light of Christ. It's incredible when we look at that and see that God's Word is so full of many examples. We know the grace of God enables us to operate in the power of His Holy Spirit. And as we look back and maybe remember that time when God poured His Spirit upon the congregation that was gathered there at that time, let's remember that His Spirit is still among us today. And let's ask Him to fill us to overflowing, so that the Spirit pours out of us and onto others, that they might be led to that spiritual water for which they so 
deeply thirst. And let's remember that every day can be a celebration of salvation. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that sometimes You allow unpleasant things to happen to us, and it's to bring us into Your will for our lives. Help us, Lord, to remember that You want us to be faithful all our life long. Lord God, we know that You want salvation. You want none to perish, but all to come to salvation. You want all to come to repentance. You have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. We know that You can and will use young people and old people and everyone in between. We know, Lord, that nobody is excused because of age. We know that You place people where You want them for Your purposes. God, help us to remain humble in service to You. Let us never be puffed with pride, even in adverse circumstances. Father, help us to always remember they might mean it for evil against us, but You mean it for good. And Father God, I ask this all in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. I want you to be here next week as we continue the series of Battle is the Lord's with Be Not Afraid. We've touched on it in other messages, but this message is going to give you facts on what God's Word says about being. It's a state of being not afraid. Okay? So be here.